0: You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast, actually at the moment it's more frequent than weekly, but the podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. So today I have another bonus episode, and it's again one with Gary, where we talk about understanding leadership deeply, trust relationship and influence of statisticians for statisticians. So stay tuned for this. If you're listening to this, we have already closed the effective statistician leadership enrollment. If you wanna still get onto it, then at least get onto my newsletter or go to the free resources where we have lots about leadership for free in there, there's webinars, there's all kinds of different things in there. So check out the free library on our homepage. If you're a group of statisticians, at least 10, that wanna get on this together, maybe within your company, maybe with your peers and colleagues, then just contact me and we can set up something specific for you. So now enjoy this episode. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the ever-growing video on demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Hello, another episode of The Effective Statistician and this time it's another episode also with Gary Sullivan. Hi, how are you doing Gary?
1: Hi Alexander, doing doing great today.
0: Okay, we'll talk about again about leadership. So what have you been up to in terms of leadership recently?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I think I mentioned that I, I worked for Eli and Company. Um, I retired at the end of uh, 2017 and have since um, started my own consulting business that's focused uh, specifically on uh, leadership development. So I'm in, in the business of leadership development full-time now.
0: And as a leadership development consultant, what are your typical kind of clients? What What is your ideal customer, so to say?
1: Oh, that I don't know that there's an ideal customer. I think there's lots of different ways that uh, I can help people. So a few things that I'm doing is developing courses uh, on leadership, teaching courses, and working with clients to help them develop their own leadership programs. So it's it's sort of a multifaceted thing. In addition to that, Mentoring and coaching a handful of people specifically on helping them develop their leadership skills. Uh, so, I don't know that there's any ideal client, but just uh, a lot of variety of, of things to do in the area.
0: Okay, very nice. So, so leadership is really kind of the day to day activities that you are now, now that you have retired from Lily. But of course, you have been very, very active within Lily as well. I still remember the leadership programs that you were part of uh, the team putting together, and I, r- I really very much enjoyed that. And uh, in this program, I I learned so much about what leadership is and what the definition of leadership is and these kind of things. And If you listen to this episode and you haven't listened to the other episode with Gary, I would strongly recommend you go back to this because we talked about what's the foundation of leadership, what is actually the definition of leadership, why it's important to develop leadership skills, and um, what it means if you don't develop them. So please go back. Just scroll back in your smartphone app and, and go back to the other episode with Gary uh, about leadership. But connecting to that, maybe we can start shortly again with the definition of leadership that you so nicely
1: crafted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so the, the way we define leadership, and there are different ways to define leadership, but this is the definition that, that we're currently using. It's uh, the ability to consistently deliver value to an organization or cause by inspiring people to take a specific direction when they have the freedom, when they truly have the freedom or choice to do otherwise.
0: Okay. So, it's really about influencing others. And in terms of influencing others, what's kind of the, this very often this connotation with how can you actually influence others? You know, can can we put that into something uh, different concept? So, so is it, you know, is it influence power, or is influence some something different?
1: Yeah, the, the word power is an interesting word because when, when you talk about leadership, I mean, people talk about uh, having authority. Uh, so, so in a role where you maybe control resources or control budget, and you have that power, and whether that's leadership. But the the going back to your question of how, how do we influence in a sense it's I think influence in itself with its meaning means that you really don't have power and somehow you need to acquire that power or you need to convince people that have the power to basically take up your suggestions or your ideas or, or follow the path that you're suggesting. So in terms of, of, of how do we influence, I mean, that's a, that's sort of a multifaceted, that's a multifaceted thing. And it's, it's something that we can certainly get into.
0: So, so it's not about this, let's say typical role powers that, you know, because you are the boss, you, you know, control the money, you control other resources. So you have the power to kind of influence things. Why that? There's one other aspect about, you know, power and, 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 you know, controlling things that's about, you know, knowledge. Of course, as a statistician, you also have specific know-how, you have, you know, knowledge in terms of your data and these kind of things. Is that also something how we can kind of influence others by, you know, just this special knowledge that we have?
1: Yes, I, I think that's always part of it. So certainly, our technical knowledge or our technical competence is important in influencing. Uh, it's important, in, in, if in no other ways, just having the technical know-how to implement um, or execute a certain type of of statistical method. You know, to if you're trying to convince someone to use a Bayesian approach. You know having a technical understanding of bayesian methods uh is required in i think in some ways to to be able to influence them to do that I think the 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 trouble statisticians have sometimes is that they think that influence is all about making a technical argument and that's i think the, those are the places where uh, we can get frustrated or get into trouble
0: so so can you give an example how that, such a conversation would you know, look like if someone you know, just kind of relies on the technical arguments for, let's say, using a Bayesian approach?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I might use an example maybe closer to home for me. So when I worked as a technical statistician, I did a lot of work uh, designing experiments in an industrial setting. Many times you were faced with, operational constraints. Uh, so for example, if, if I were uh, designing an experiment in the biomedical or a bioresearch type situation, so in a fermentation plant or a purification setting, sometimes they could only run experiments. Let's suppose they only had five bioreactors and those reactors ran on a, a one-week basis. And so this is a real simple example but if I came in and said well I want to I want to design an experiment to to optimize you know two different factors and we'll do it with uh 12 experiments well someone could look at me and say well that's that's nice and it looks good on paper and technically I'm sure it's sound but we can't execute such a thing or another example might be if they had a hard to change type of factor for example, something like temperature that they had to ramp up over a period of time. Those are some of the types of things that you'll need to know to appropriately influence. Uh, so, so those sort of operational or structural type of, of variables. Uh, so in general, it's understanding some of those operational or structural type constraints that are also valuable in influencing. And, you know, some of the example, the example I just gave is, is a pretty simple example but you can get into more challenging type of operational or structural constraints with the the bigger type of influence that you're trying to make.
0: So so how can you kind of, if you if you have these objections of, you know, we can't implement that here, you know, there's these constraints here from a technical perspective from, a, you know, just how things are set up. There's one thing of course to know about that but there's another thing how can you actually learn about it
1: Yeah and those are I think the some of the the building blocks I would say of of leadership and this is these are even I think some building blocks just in in being an effective statistician is to to understand as much as you can about the area the the business the science that you're supporting uh so i think i think of it a a lot of it just has to do with you know once you start collaborating with certain people um, understanding as much as you can about what they're doing how they're doing it the constraints that they face their goals their objectives the challenges they face what keeps them up at night all those types of things give you at least a, a basic understanding of some of the some of the operational challenges and some of the constraints that that they have to deal with.
0: I think you're bringing up a very, very important point. It's it's not about you, it's about the other person. You need to understand what keeps him up at night or her up at night, you know, what are their problems, not about what are your problems. So, so I think it's, if you want to influence someone, you need to see things from their perspective, and and so I think that is the first, first, very, very important point, because as long as you kind of stick with all kind of your knowledge about statistics, your understanding of the situation, you can't really move forward. Uh, you need to, you know, view the problem or the, the, the topics that you are talking about from the other person's perspective.
1: Yes. I mean, maybe we, we can back up a little bit. And I would say the first thing you need to do is to to gain their trust. So one formula might be, you need to deliver first, maybe what they're asking for, to let them see your technical competence, but also to let them know that you're trying to help them. Ultimately, you're trying to help them. Uh, so that that's one place to start is to just try to gain their trust. So, so how do I
0: get that? How can I improve the trust with my colleagues, my cross-functional colleagues?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. There's, I've thought about this a lot. I've read about it uh, quite a bit. People will sort of have different formulas for trust. And I think one sort of simple one that, that I've adopted is it's about the three C's. One is competence. One is character and one is caring. So in a sense, you need to demonstrate that you're competent, not that you know everything, but you know enough to be able to to contribute to to their project or their their cause or their initiative. Another is that you care. And and again, the example I gave by simply delivering maybe first what they ask you to do, demonstrating that you're a team player. Uh, demonstrating that you want to help them achieve their goals lets them know that you care and and then the third being character that's that's a little bit harder to define, but I think there's sort of a an ethical piece to it uh what are your values, what are your principles? Are you taking a legitimate approach? Are you authentic in who you are and and how you're doing things and and I think those three things if you can demonstrate to people that you're competent, that you have strong character and that you care about what you're doing, I think the, the trust will follow.
0: Okay, let, let's dive a little bit deeper into these uh, three Cs of competence, character and caring. And I like that actually very much. So in terms of competence, well, we are all hired by the organization to actually do the job. So, so aren't we just by default competent?
1: I think there, yeah, there, there's some assumption that you are, but I think in some ways that still has to be demonstrated. And it, it may not just be technical competence, but it may be you're competent enough to, to be able to interact with others, to understand the, the problem that, uh, the team is trying to address, that, that you understand at least at some level the challenges that they face. I think it's not just our statistical competence, but I would say just a, a technical type of competence that we we can understand enough about the problem, the challenge, uh, the initiative, the goals, that people are convinced that we can be a, a valued contributor to the team.
0: Yeah, you know, my experience in terms of this competence is, you know, it's very much kind of, okay, where do I get kind of competence from, you know, when I worked with, uh, with someone, how do I know whether that person is competent? And um, of course there's kind of, you know, you, you look into, you know, what do people tell about this person? What do my colleagues tell about that person? You know, have they had a great, you know, experience with me helping them? What is, do you have, do you have a track record there? is it you know what is your supervisor talking about you know you know how how are you introduced by whom are you introduced so all these kind of different things can actually uh help to show to the other persons that you are actually competent uh is my perception what do you think? Yeah
1: in some ways it's it's a reputation or a brand certainly yeah you your past experiences I think, I think help, uh, define, um, your competence. Uh, so it, it's, it's a really good point and that everything you do becomes part of, of your reputation and sort of, uh, establishes your credibility. And, and I think that's, that's a big part of this is, is, do you have a demonstrated track record of being technically sound contributing to, to projects, those types of things?
0: So so let's go to the second part, the caring that we talked about. You, you mentioned kind of that it's important to kind of understand their, their goals and uh, that you take care of that. So how do I actually find out about the goals of the other person?
1: Yeah, I think that's the part of, you know, when, when you're working with, whether it's an, an individual or a team, to first understand the, the goals of the individual, the goals of the team. So I, I think actually there there's another C that can come into play here, which I think is important, may even sort of lend itself to to additional trust, and that's curiosity. So showing a curiosity about, okay, what are, what are the objectives of the team? What is it that you're working on? How is this going to make a difference in the, the goals of the greater organization? And then getting into specific details as to how, to, how does that work scientifically? What's, what's the process behind that? What's the process from a business standpoint? Showing interest in, in those things that they're doing, how they're doing them. I think all that, um, lends itself to that, that understanding and that sort of initial demonstration of caring about what the, the goals of the individual or the team are. The flip side of that is if you come in to a team and don't demonstrate that sort of level of curiosity or wanting to understand everything and want to initially or um, immediately sort of impart your ideas of how to do something better. That's, I would say the opposite of caring. That's, that's more wanting to, to maybe place your own uh, interests or goals above the team. So you, you can think of it sort of that way, too, is, is what not to do.
0: Yeah, I think we probably have all been in these situations where, you know, you, you have been, you know, working on some project and since there's a new person coming into the team and, you know, uh, says, oh, we need to do things completely different now and we need to do this and this and this and I know better because, you know, I have done that before and and all these kind of things you probably run into problems if if you act like that. So, so, because exactly what you mentioned is, is missing, is this carrying part. Yeah. You know? So, so I think the, and for me, where where I, where it's really important is listening to the discussion about where are the pain points of the different people? You know, is it that they are most concerned regarding timelines? Are they most concerned about, you know, will that, you know, make it more complex for them? Is it, are they concerned that it will cost more? Is it concerns that, say, you know, can't maybe explain it to to their peers? You know, if you come up with this, you know, super complex method to, to do something, are there concerns that they need to then explain about it, you know, and they don't understand it? So So... What are really kind of the pain points of the different people and understanding, you know, these kind of things and caring there in terms of understanding these and then helping them to how your solution or your change that you want to have, how that actually helps them. So I think that's then, then the other part.
1: Yeah, I think, I think sort of simply stated, you know, and I think this is one of Covey's. Uh, seven rules is is uh seek to understand than to be understood,
0: yep Covey is a really really great resource so so if you haven't read any of his books and then I would strongly recommend them great resource for for learning about leadership and and uh these kind of things in terms of character, can you expand a little bit more about about that
1: yeah that's a tough one actually someone sort of described it as not what you do or how you do it when people are watching but what you do and how you do it when people aren't watching i I guess i like to think of character as i said as having some level of principles uh ethics maybe doing things the right way doing things consistently in terms of your your temperament your your practices a lot of those types of things that that's something where it's a, a word that I still sort of struggle to, to give a definition to. And it's one of the things I'm trying to, to sort of find maybe a a good reference or a good way of, of describing it. But um, that's, that's about the best I can do right now.
0: So, so I'm, I'm just thinking about a person that has a lot of competence, knows exactly what he's talking about, Obviously, he has lots of expertise and, and these kind of things. And I even maybe get the feeling that he cares about my goals and these kind of things. But there's problems with his character. So I don't see that he's he plays a fair game. You know, he maybe cheats or maybe, you know, has been, you know, I get the sense that, you know, there's maybe some hidden agenda or these kind of things going on. Then, you know, he could be, you know, the most competent person and look very, very caring. I still wouldn't trust him. So, so I think that's why, you know, this character is, is, is important because it kind of, if that is missing, people still, you know, by definition will not trust you because you're not, people can't believe that, you know, what you will Actually, tell them or promise them you will hold to.
1: Yeah, as as you were talking, so a couple other, I guess, words kind of came to mind to me of integrity, mm-hmm. humility, and maybe even sort of personal accountability. Does that person, you know, when when they say they're going to do something, do they do they do it? Do they hold themselves accountable to doing it? Are they willing to take blame when they're at fault, and and when they do something well? Do they basically give the credit to others or do they take it themselves? Uh, so I think those are a lot of the types of things that uh, lend themselves to uh, someone of a uh, strong character.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and I think we have all been in these kind of situations where, you know, we worked with someone and at the end of the project, you know, Maybe something went south or the complete project went south. And then, you know, there's a finger pointing starting and says, you know, people talk about behind your back and, and these kind of things. This is really kind of where, where car- character comes to light, you know, in these kinds of situations. And if you, if people have a bad feeling about that aspect, third C, then uh, I think that limits the power very much See, and of course it's the other way around as well you know if, if that is if you have seen that you know this person takes a credit for team achievement, that also speaks to bad character so yeah. so and and these kind of things have nothing to do with competence, they have nothing to do with caring, um, they have to do with character so so that's I think why you need this third c of competence, character, and caring. In terms of improving these things, well, I think it's pretty obvious how to improve competence. I would guess it's pretty difficult to improve character. (laughs) How about the caring aspect? How can you improve that?
1: Yeah, I think I've observed statisticians that have have gotten better about caring and, and even character to some extent. Cause I I think you can develop maybe a reputation of being maybe more out for yourself or looking for the praise or the recognition and you you can turn that around. I mean, you you can, you can start to, to be more of a team player. You can defer the recognition to others. You can really work in the best interest of the team and and by actions, I think you, you can change the way people think about your character in terms of caring. Again, I, I think of a situation where maybe someone is not thought of as caring is someone that's that's maybe part of a team that doesn't come to the meetings consistently, that maybe is distracted while they're at the meetings, someone who maybe only delivers on part of their commitments. So in order to improve that, you can do do just the opposite. You You show that you're dedicated to the team. You're you're focused and attentive when working with the team or when working with individuals on the team. You make sure that you deliver on your commitments that you're seen as reliable and that you even would step up to do things that maybe aren't your responsibility necessarily, that you do what it takes to to keep the team moving forward. I think those are all ways that you can can, um, improve how people look at you in terms of how much you care.
0: Yeah, one of the other things, as as we talked about goals, I think is spending more time with the other people to better understand their goals, better understand their their backgrounds. Do they have you know particular experiences, very good ones or very bad ones in previous projects, or maybe you know even there they are kind of outside of the job kind of challenges. You know how how do do they kind of interfere with the job? Because of course we are not, you know, working in isolation in the the companies. We have, everybody has a real life in the background. And so, so understanding how this complete picture, I think is, is really important to make sure that, yeah, you can really take care.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you raise a good point because it makes me think of, uh, we're, we're talking about, I think these things in the context of a technical contributor. But if you think of uh, someone in a supervisory role, they need to gain the trust of the employees that are porting to them. And you, you use the same type of, I think, approach in terms of the competence, the character and the caring and the caring uh, piece of it, I think, uh, some of the things you were saying hits right at that, showing a genuine interest in, in what they're doing, how they're doing it, and showing an interest in, in things outside of work. If you think again in terms of opposites, uh, the person that, that you sit down with and they want to tell you all that they're doing, but don't really seem to take an interest in what you're doing or how you're feeling or how things are going for you or what your interests might be. That's the person that doesn't care. So I, I think uh, you bring up a good point in terms of how you you demonstrate to the team that you care. I talked about that, but in terms of how you demonstrate to individuals that you care, I think some of the things you mentioned are just the ways to do that and doing it in, in a yeah, genuine way too.
0: Yeah. As you talk about kind of this, how the supervisor can gain trust by from his teams that reports to him, I think it's also the other way around, you know, see how... You can get trust from your supervisor. I think it's also kind of very, very important, and and in building this relationship with your supervisor, because sometimes you know influencing your supervisor is also yes. <laughs> part yeah. of your job, and, and and leading your supervisor so so you know in a in a way leading upward is um, sometimes also important, you know, and not just leading sideways and or downwards in kind of the organizational. Uh, hierarchy level.
1: Yes, I would agree that uh, the the same way that uh, you're, the supervisor wants the employees to trust them, the employees want the supervisor to to trust them, and you, you the same formula I think works as you said. In
0: terms of you know building these relationships and building the trust with the people, how do you actually know whom you need to invest there in? Do you need to build trust with everybody?
1: Ah yes, that's a that's an, another good question. I, I think with your team, I mean, if I'm in a management type role, I want to gain the trust of of everyone within my team, that team, my um, my reports, my organization, because that's in a sense that that helps me do my job for them. It, it helps me understand what motivates them and helps me meet their needs. In terms of a team, um, like a multidisciplinary team, that's a really good question. Ideally, yeah, you would like to gain the trust and you would like to invest in, in everyone, but, and, and I think that should be a goal, but they're obviously going to be maybe some key players that maybe have more influence than others and are maybe decision makers on the project or who are maybe what you might call sort of more the, the core of the team. Um, and you'd certainly want to try to to build relationships and, and invest in, and gain trust in them first and foremost. But I would say you don't do that at the expense of of others. I, I think that's a key thing is that you you need to maybe you need to especially build trust with with some core people on the team. But you need to still treat everyone with respect.
0: I think it's uh, important. This typical thing that comes to my mind is the, is this test for new starter in a company that first interacts just with the A, you know, just ask for a coffee or something like this before he enters into the room to have the actual interview. I think, you know, of course you want to build for, foremost, uh, you know, a relationship with the person that is interviewing you, but you still can kind of be build also a relationship with the a that is, you know that just ask you whether you want to have a coffee so so I think you know that is these kind of relationships are important, but as you said, you know if you want to invest more, I think focusing first on those that obviously have more influence that are uh, that you very work regularly with. That is the most important thing. In terms of building these relationships, how can I actually sense whether there's a good relationship? Is it just my gut feeling or is there some, you know, how, how do I get that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think based on, on my experience, it's gut feel, awareness, observations. Sometimes sometimes people will come out and, and just say things that make it, clear to you. But I mean, I mean, some some telltale signs, I, I would try to, to maybe meet and build relationships with, with certain people. And it, you might schedule like a 45-minute meeting. And if it's a person that maybe you, you're asking questions and they don't really want to engage in the discussion, they don't really want to have a discussion, their answers are short and quick. And you just get this feeling like they're wanting the meeting to be over. They want to move on to their next whether it's their next meeting or or their next task. I mean some of those things you can pick up I think pretty quickly that the the person doesn't want to to build that relationship with you or that they don't they don't wanna they don't want you to gain their trust. And and I I think there are gonna be those types of people that are out there. But there you will find plenty of people who who do want to, they want to engage with you. They understand the importance of, of you as a member on the team. They're willing to share their expertise. They're willing to answer your questions. And then, and then they want to, to do the same uh, for you. They, they want to understand who you are. They might have questions that you need to answer for them. But I think it's, I mean, there's some, it's sort of the, um, you know, reading the body language, taking sort of some of those little hints and cues and gut feel that uh, this person, um, maybe they don't want to invest the time in a relationship and that's okay.
0: Okay. Very good. So, so uh, thanks so much for, for this episode where we talked a lot about how to build, you know, a relationship in, because that is a foundation to influence other people. We talked about influence and how that relates to, to power And uh, very much we talked about the, that trust is the foundation of all these kind of things and the, how you can build trust. And you mentioned competence, character and caring and, and the curiosity to, to find out and ways to improve trust. And I think we also, you know, mentioned about the trust building relationships can go into all different directions of course, with your supervisor, of course, with your team, if you, if you have direct reports, but very much also in your day-to-day interactions in your cross-functional teams. And to, with that, I think we laid another foundation uh, where we can, in the next episode, actually talk about more kind of skills that we can need to develop in order to build on this relationship, build on these power uh, on, on these trust relationships, and actually get things done because trust building trust is a foundation, understanding what leadership is is a foundation, and in the next episode, then we'll talk about. What are the different skill sets that are important? Thanks so much, Gary, for this interview. It was very, very nice to talk to you again. Please check out the free resources that we have about leadership and other things on the Effective Statistician homepage. Look for the free library where you can learn much, much more about lots of things to boost your career as a statistician. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS who helped with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.